This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. My next guest, Jamil Spencer, is an award-winning veteran brand builder who's played pivotal business roles for the likes of Shaquille O'Neal, Sean Diddy Combs, Sean Jay-Z Carter, Pharrell Williams, Justin Timberlake, and Jessica Simpson for over the last 25 plus years. He's a family man, father to six children and husband to Chandra, but when the big 5-0 came calling, so did something else. Something in his own intuition that called to him and with it, though not as easily as I just said it, he started his own business, one of deep meaning called Rightful Place. So we're going to talk all about his work in the fashion business and in the Black entrepreneur and hip-hop culture space and learn how his past collectively became his passion and new business with a clear motivation, and that is to work about and for the Black community. My dear friend and someone who has been so impressionable on my life, Jamil Spencer, is most definitely in my heart. Welcome. Uh, That was great. That was good. That was good, man. I I need to bring you to my meetings. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm a diehard fan. So I am just so happy to have you on this podcast because as I mentioned in the intro, you have been an impressionable person in my life and a dear friend for many, many years. Although we don't get to see each other as much as we would like to, that doesn't matter because what we have is like so solid and what we built, you know, so many years ago is so solid. And I just want to talk a little bit about that because before we talk about you as founder and CEO of your own consulting agency, Rightful Place, I want to talk about the early days and your experiences that led up to this opportunity and moment for you to have that aha moment. And it comes from the wisdom that we gain through our experience. And we've had a little bit of a different ride than a lot of people. I only had a piece of it. You kept going six, seven more celebrities <laughs> than I did. <laughs> um but let's talk about the, you know, what truly was the catalyst, the mechanism, you know, the system of learning throughout one's journey that got you to your rightful place. Yeah, well, listen, I think that we had the um, the 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 luck, right, um, to be around a really like just a powerful moment in culture. So if you think about um, all of the things 
the trends, the businesses, the brands that um, that were built in that sort of early '90s uh, hip hop, you know, energy it was like it was a really a sense of discovery in general, right? Like, yes. like um, you know, uh, young black folks were becoming entrepreneurs for the first time at that level, you know, owning their own situations or at least thinking they were owning their own situations, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and and you were putting these young people in positions that we really had no training to be in quite honestly right and and we had the right intuition we had the right instincts we had the right um energy and effort but like we I, we didn't know really what we were doing right we knew that what we were doing was important we knew that um we knew that you know how it should look and how it should feel and how it should sound but we didn't have any formal training to like you know i, I like you know it's interesting like people call me a marketing genius all the time and in my mind i'm like I didn't take like one marketing class ever in my life, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it was also sort of like sort of the unlock of sort of an, an innate um, ability that lived in us all. So, you know, and I'm sure you have a very same, similar experience. Like, you know, I, I tell you that I never took a marketing class in my life, but, you know, I was the president of my fraternity in college and I like came up with every like party idea right. every you know every, so all of you know so I, I feel like i was like i'm an i'm in a you know an innate marketer like that yes. is it's like something that's in me like i've always been that guy that you know did things first tried things first got made fun of for trying things first so um so i think that you know it was an amazing convergence of opportunity and and energy right and then and then what was the foundation of it was this amazing music that was also born you know just out of necessity right so yeah. if you think about like people like it was, it was, there was a time where like hip-hop music was looked down upon by like like you know true musicians because it wasn't a true art form but yeah. just imagine what it vice takes. presidents of our country dan quayle being one of them saying that this was terrible things that we were yeah. encountering yeah. and when it was and, one and, of the most amazing cultural movements we had yeah, and what it really was is they they you know was, they they take they took it as an indictment, but it really was an endorsement on and and you know our our and I think our natural resource as a human as as a people is really like our ability to figure shit out, right? right? So like who takes two records and a turntable with no with no electricity, so finds a way to get electricity and makes a song? Like who does that? Like that's not that's not normal. Right. And so I think that um, you know it was a, it was an amazing sort of collision of like things that were like in us right and 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 opportunities that we were creating and you know like like my whole time growing up you know i, I was like you know fairly smart when i was younger right it kind of wore off when i got older but I, when <laughs> i was younger i was really fairly smart but I, I remember my mom like you know in my mind the occupations that i would pursue to be successful were all like being a doctor or an right. accountant or a lawyer yes i never thought in my wildest of dreams that i could like literally sit in a conference room with people that look like me that dress like me and be successful on my own terms right and there was, and there's something about sort of that underdog mentality when people tell you what you can't be um you know we this this industry this business was built by a bunch of people who were probably single you know single parent children yeah, yeah. um that came from you know um less than less than less than the best schools and less than mm -hmm. the best living conditions um, but we figured it out, right? And we and we still and we and we knew that we had to be three or four times better than our counterparts to get the same thing. Yeah. And so there was something that there was something that there was a sense of discovery. There was a sense of like teaching each other. 
sense of community, holding each other accountable. I mean, I know that at the time working at Bad Boy, to me, I always, I, in my mind, that was my business school experience. I never went to me business too. school, right? right? I didn't go to Harvard. I had I had a, a bunch of Harvard MBAs work for me, but I never went to Harvard. I actually spoke <laughs> at Harvard several times, but I never went to Harvard, like, you know, academically. Um, but I think that, you know, that Bad Boy experience and, you know, and Puff, man, like, it's interesting to hear people talk about him in a negative way about all the things that he didn't do for him because you know you know that the whole notion of like you can teach a person to fish or you, i mean you can give them give them a fish or teach them how to fish i mean right. he was the teacher of how to fish like he if you he led by example like if you followed the way that he moved i mean his story is legendary he's probably the most iconic um intern of all time Right. Yeah. There's, there's probably no there's probably no intern that's been as successful as as, as Puff Daddy. Right. right. Um, so just a, a, just the environment and the culture that he created, like it was so competitive, but like in the most loving way. Right. Like and literally somebody would like hate on your idea and curse you out. And you would literally be in the, at, at Justin's, you know, seven hours later, having a glass of rosé laughing together. Right. Because right. it was all about making each other better and challenging yes. one another. And if you think about like even like the amazing group of folks who have all sort of graduated from the Sean Combs University, right? right? We were talking before we got on here about Hart Pierre yes. and James Cruz yes. and Jeff Tweedy and, and Mike Bogar and, and, and Jason Groovy Jackson Lou. and Mike yes. B, right? Um, like, I mean, it's just a, a Dowie, like it's yes, an amazing, you know, Byron, like it's an amazing, like alumni, like it's Me like- Me and you. you. Yeah, like Howard Homecoming, like that's that's dope, right? But yeah. the bad boy homecoming, like that bad boy reunion tour, when they did that tour and I went to I went to um, Barclay Center, to, I went backstage. Yes. I, I literally it was like being at a homecoming. I feel uh, the same a homecoming way. That, that really, really fueled my soul and, and taught yes. me what was what was possible. And I and I got just as much as I gave. And it, it was like basically like the, the family that you chose as opposed to the, the family that you're given. And so I thought it was I mean, it was just and even even like the errors, like even like a Jeff Burroughs, like Jeff Burroughs was that bad boy. Like he helped start bad boy, right? The Jeff Burroughs, right. Burroughs, those guys, right? But he wasn't there when I was there, but I felt some level of competition with Jeff. Like I got to yes. come, I got to do my thing at bad boy, <laughs> right? Um, and so, so yeah, man, I, I, I um, I, and I think it all, it's all, it's well, all. Well, because he stayed a part honestly, of the family, even though he wasn't there, Jeff Burroughs. And really the root of that whole thing, honestly, is Andre Harrell. Let's yes. God Dre. rest his soul. Right. God bless the totally. dead. Totally. Dre, man. Um, it's funny. I look back at my um, my Instagram post when he passed away, and I said, I said, you know, in so many words that I was just happy to have had the chance to know him. Yes. Right. Because I, I met him. I came to New York to visit uh, Brett Wright, another another you know uh, uh, Andre Harrell alum. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and sort of now he never worked at Bad Boy, but he's kind of like, you know, Bad Boy adjacent because of his because of his Andre Harrell roots. And he was he was at Bad Boy. He was at he was at Uptown with Puff. Right. Um, and I remember meeting him for the first time. I was like it was like 1990 and we were at a restaurant and, you know, he was he was like super friendly to me. He didn't know who I was at all. And I remember the first time I had anything real to say to him. And I remember to the point where, where, where he was like, yo, you can have any amount of access to me because I think you could be a star. He was right. the first time I met a black man yes. that would say complimentary, complimentary things about other black men. Right. right. That, that wasn't a thing to me. I was like, wow. Like, right. People would almost think you're gay. Like, why is this guy saying so many nice things? Like, that's so <laughs> weird. Right. But and, and think about how broken that is mm -hmm. as a people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, what we represented had so much like 
excitement and opportunity and enthusiasm. Like that time, you know, 1990 to 2000, I don't know, two, 2010, yeah. Yeah, even, 10. right? Yeah. Um, was like, just like, I, I can hear, I was listening to Biggie in my office yesterday um, and it was juicy, right? And I remember yeah. the video, right? And I could literally like smell what Brooklyn smelled like back yeah. then. And I could feel the energy that was good. And it was that energy of like, because remember Puff at the time, every time he put anything out, it was like the biggest thing in culture. Yes. And so, um, you know, we just, we have been really fortuitous to have been a part of that. Um, and I think that what you'll find is that anybody that was a part of that time in any type of significant way that's still here today is doing something important because yes. we we just have like the most amazing foundation like this. I, I, I would I would put our and it's funny, my, my father in law, um, you know, grew up around the Motown like, and he was he's friends with he's friends with Don King. He went to college with Don King's son right. and my mother in law grew up in Detroit right there around like Barry Gordy and those guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and, and obviously in, in all due respect, like, you know, there would be no us without them, right. but I put our, our generation up against anybody. Right. right. Totally. Against, you don't get With the, all the things that you, in, the, in, the, in the Steve Stout. You don't get oh all my, they, they came from us. No, definitely. A hundred percent. And I mean, for some of the people that are listening to this podcast that may not know some of these names that we're talking about, what I, I want to first start by saying that, for anybody who doesn't know who Andre Harrell is, he was the guy who was smart enough to see who Puffy was and give him a shot. And Puffy was Andre's intern. And he came in like wildfire and would not, can't stop, won't stop, wouldn't take no for an answer. And Andre is somebody just to just say something about Andre Harrell who never didn't fucking have a smile on his face. Ever, ever. Ever. And always, and, and was, I, I will tell you, he was the first man Okay, to tell me that I was a star. Yeah. Right. Andre Harrell, out of yeah. all the companies and coming out of Calvin Klein and Ralph Lauren and all these things that I had done as a designer, Andre Harrell was the one that told me I was a star. And so that was the community and the missing link of the community that we cared for one another. We were honest with one another. The one thing that you were missing that you didn't say out of energy and all the things was fear. No fear. And I was able to have an opportunity to be a part of a female who was fearless. But then I got involved in black culture who didn't have a choice, but to be fearless. And that changed my life forever and put me on a trajectory that leaves me where I sit today, just like it left you where you're sitting today. And I think that when we talk about culture, we talk about cultural changes. I just want to mention that back in 2000, we were starting a culture of ghetto fabulous, which today is called black excellence. Yep. So that that's the di dichotomy, the shift between ghetto fabulous and black excellence. And that goes to what Jamil is saying. Any black or brown person had to be three times better. Three times, you know, I I would get looked at crooked. First of all, I was a chick and I was white. They're like, how she designed yeah, it? By the way, let's let's not let that go unnote un, unspoken yeah. on, right? Like just imagine for you to th and you had a really high level position. Like you were in charge of the fly, right? Like you were like the creative director of Sean John. And Sean John at a time where it was like the most urgent black brand in culture, no right? Doubt. We were doing those one-way shows, right? And you were like this white girl who like had to be in the room. And like, if you didn't have the chops, you would have got eaten alive. 
eaten alive. So, so you know, so you know with confidence, there's no room you can't step in today and have the utmost confidence because what you know is like if I said that's, that's almost like the old adage about New York. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. That's right. If you can make it at bad boy, you can make it anywhere. anywhere. I, I say that to people all the time. Like people act crazy. I'm like, ah, I worked for Puff for seven years, man. Yeah, this is nothing. <laughs> exactly. This is nothing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. People would say, you know, because he had, you know, uh, making the band and he had reality shows yeah. after, you know, our our time with him. And people would say, is he really like that? And I was like, he does not pull a punch ever. What you see is what you get with that man every single day, every waking minute of every single day. He is consistent. Yeah. I mean, listen, every time you interact with him, no matter what the experience is, you walk away realizing or being reminded why he's successful. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I would get I would get accused of black appropriation and they had no idea that I was impressed upon by him so greatly that he became a part of my identity. Yeah. You know, so when well, I'm well, pissed we're, and we're I say all, don't we're tell all me nothing. Of it. We're, all, we're, right. all, we're all we're all you know, we're we're all um you know, um um fruits of that tree, right? Yes. And I am so happy about that. It's it's the, one of the best times of my life, you know what I mean? And I still get to keep having it and experience it because the community we built is so strong. You know what I mean? And I could pick up, like, if it's somebody I haven't seen in a long time, like Mike Bogart, I haven't seen his face, but if I saw him in person, we would be like embracing, like there's nobody's business. <laughs> All those, even Jeff Burroughs, people that we haven't seen in a long time. We built a community that lasted. And so we get to carry that forward. And that really is why, you know, I wanted to have you on the podcast for my own selfish reasons, because I, you again, have been so there for me. And we, we, we've been through so many things together and you have, I've had your ear through so many times and things that you've always brought great wisdom to me. So I want to talk about, you know, not, you know, we overlapped and, and that was an incredible time of both of our lives, but after so many years working for others, you know, I mean, I took on the entrepreneurial role a few more after Beyonce, right? A few more years, maybe 10 years before you did. Mm -hmm. And you kept going on and working for other people. And there's a, there's a time in life when you say like, that does that works for me now. And there's other people that are very happy in that position. Don't have an entrepreneurial drive. Don't have that those cells in their bodies and don't understand it. Like, no, I like to go work for somebody else. Let some things be their problems, whatever. But there's something to be said. I feel like when you work for someone like Puff, and I just have to go on to say, like, you know, I went on to Beyonce and Jennifer Lopez and you went on to Jay and Justin and, you know, who else, you know, Jessica and and you had such a huge experience at Iconics brand, you know, dealing with a lot of brands and stuff like that. What was the shift for you? Mine was an idea. My, I had an idea and I said, I have to make a business out of this idea. I didn't even think I was going to have to leave Beyonce to do it. I thought I could do it on the side, whatever. Well, well, that's, what, that's, what we, that's what we do, right? That, there's, a, there's a comfort that we create in our minds by connecting our dreams to things that are comfortable, right? right? That's, that's just, and that's human nature. Right. And, and so, so to answer your question, um, you know, what was it wasn't because it wasn't one moment. It was kind of a series of moments. Yeah. So it was a progression. I think that um, when when Iconics bought Rockaware, right, that was a really interesting moment because I was so deeply rooted in like the urban entrepreneur space, like, you know, yes. working for Puff, working with Jay. Right. And so like so when Icon and Iconics saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself, like they right. wanted me to be a part of something bigger. They thought I could, you know, and they, because they were, because Neil Cole was very mindful of the fact that, you know, black culture kind of led pop culture. 
Right. So he knew that as a marketer, I could help him. I could ha I could have a value to all of his brands, not just Rockaware. Um, right. And it's funny because at the time when he asked me to do that, I didn't want to do it. I went to Jay like, no, don't let me go. Right. Don't let me go. Right. Um, but then Jay's business had not evolved to where it is today at the time. So mm -hmm. the way that those businesses were set up um, kind of like predisposed you to maybe not the best level of compensation. Right. Because right. And, and, you know, and Iconos was a publicly traded company. So you got your compensation was, you know, your your salary. It was, you know, your bonus, which could be, you know, it could be your, your full 100 percent of your salary. And then you also got stock. Right. right. Which, which, you know, had a value that could. And, and, and as you made the company more successful, you could share in the success of the company. Those companies like Jay and them had not evolved to that place at that time. Right. So what I what I learned was I learned how compensation worked by transitioning to Iconics, right? Yes. But when you transition to a company like that, there's a trade-off. And so you lose the culture piece. Yes. Um, now the good news, I had the best of both worlds. I was still, I was still, you know, reported directly to Jay. Yeah. Um, you know, I still was in the Rockaware offices, mm -hmm. right? And the only thing that was different was the name on my check. When yeah. I got deeper into the Iconics business, um, it was great. Like, cause I really got a chance to, you know, to sort of like do it on my own. It was it's one thing to be successful next to Jay-Z, but like you're not getting credit for that, right? People are like no. anybody, <laughs> anybody and they don't and they don't realize like the times that we did things that Jay would not have ever done if I didn't like convince him to do it, of course, or whatever you know. And, yep. and but but because anything that Jay does that's successful, it's, it's all Jay, right? Which yes. which you know which I was always cool with. Me too, um, right? Exactly. And so I think trans. So, so I think you know Iconics changed taught me how how you know about compensation, right? And mm -hmm. re and really getting the true value of like. Which because I got to the point where what I was putting in had such an incremental value to the overall value of the enterprise, right? Because that because I was I was delivering at that level, right? Because it, right. it wasn't just and it, and it became it wasn't just marketing anymore. Now now I'm in the now I'm in the rooms at the retailer saying, hey, I'm about to put this celebrity in the campaign. They're going to be wearing this shirt, and I need you to buy you know five million dollars worth more of this shirt right right or, or i need you to let i need to put me in 400 more doors right right so i started because i started becoming equal parts myself and jeff tweedy right so it was, right. It was like business and, yeah, a and ceo marketing. and a cmo yeah, right right and so i so i so i so i started to learn you know things that were outside of that weren't available to me in those in those urban organizations but i also had a i also had a passion for it and it was, it was still connected to my purpose like i didn't work i didn't work for puff because I was enamored with him as a celebrity. I worked with Puff because at the time I came there, he was about to go on, tr on trial for gun possession. And I knew that as a marketer, rebuilding his brand after that was important. Yes. It was important. The money was, I didn't even think about that, right? right. I, it, was it was important to how my kids would perceive what was capable in their lives. So my kids will grow up not thinking they need to be an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer. They'll grow up saying, hey, I could be an entrepreneur. I can I could be like so so I, it was important to me, right? Like so, yes. so that was so that's so so that you know that was sort of the you know the, the the part that was missing. There was there was no, you know, like the like I was I made a lot of money, but but the purpose wasn't there. And I would mm -hmm. find buckets of places to 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 place the purpose, but it wasn't like every day. Right. Um the real sort of tipping point for me was when I was working at uh, Sequential. Yeah. And so I came to Sequential with with uh, with Yehuda. 
Schmidt and Minhua. So I've, I've had yeah. this. So Iconics, so Sequential was a, another um, conglomerate Iconics. brand off of Iconics, yeah. right? And so he then moved from Iconics into Sequential that was led by a, a really amazing individual who you still have a great relationship with today, yeah. Yehuda. Yeah, so and Yehuda, you know, I have a... Um, I have like a, a, a list of amazing CEOs that I've had the luck and, and you don't realize it. Right. And so you're having these types of conversations. So, you know, I worked um, with, you know, Puff was a CEO that I reported to. Then I had, then I had Jay, uh, then I had Neil Cole. Yes. Um, right? And then I had, and then I had Yehuda. Right. And Yehuda was, was a different relationship because it was almost like we were brothers. Right. Like he was like a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he's younger than me, right? Like, like way younger than me. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I came to sequential with you, with Yehuda. He actually gave me the opportunity to run the fashion business. So I was the president of the fashion division. That's when I worked with Jessica and, and Justin, and Justin. um, you know, and Jessica and the Jessica experience was great for me because Jessica actually re- represented some level of purpose because she was a woman who everyone told her what she wasn't. And she was still being successful anyway. Like she was literally leaning into everything that people said that was negative about her. Right. And she was succeeding at the highest level anyway. And it's funny because when we were having a conversation with her to buy the brand, I actually came to the to the conversation with that energy, with the why does Jessica Simpson have a successful like she can't even dress. Right. That's, that's, this was my perception of her. Right. right? Totally. I literally sat down with her for 30 minutes and was like, oh, I get it. Right. Oh, like that. She's she's relatable. Yeah. She she's she's your daughter. She's your sister. She's your cousin from down south. She like she's she's like a real person, right. and she's actually brilliant. And the fact that she is unafraid to be herself, which you know for women is not always celebrated. And so I found my purpose working alongside of Tina and Jessica and all those amazing women. Who 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 still today run that brand, and it makes me it warms my heart to see that they got the brand back, yes. right? Um, and so I was there with I was there with um with with Yehuda, and we were building this business, and it was super successful, and we were making a lot of money, and you know, um, and then and then uh, then we bought Martha Stewart, mm-hmm. who I love, like, and, yeah. and Martha is like, and then you know, again, we take these things for granted, right? I mean, she was having an event at her house. Um, and out in Bedford and I, yeah. and, so, and it was like on a Thursday at four o'clock and I, you know, the city is like crazy to get. So I'm driving there. It should take me an hour to get there. It took me two and a half hours. It rained the whole time. I'm just complaining. Like who has a party on Thursday at four o'clock? And I <laughs> ring the bell and Martha Stewart and she goes, Oh, Jamil, welcome to my home. <laughs> and it's the moment where I think to myself, this woman is the foremost homemaker. Totally. And a unicorn because she makes a living just being herself. Right. Her whole life is just about being herself. And then she's, and, then, and I'm in her house and then a party's going on. There's 40 executives like in there drinking. And she's like, and she's like, nope. She grabs my hand and she takes me on a tour of her house. Right. Uh, and I'm just like, this is fucking Martha Stewart. Like, I love your betting. <laughs> like this is nuts. Right. Um, and so, you know, it was an amazing experience. And then they fired Yehuda. Mm-hmm. Um, and they brought someone else in who I thought she, she was she was very nice, um, you know, super accomplished. But it was like the moment where I, I realized that I can't make a living helping other people build their dreams. It's time for me, literally, to take my rightful place in the universe. Like God has has blessed me 
with all these amazing experiences. And it's a true blessing. Like if I, you, if I take you through my resume, like, and it's funny because I, I, you know, people ask me to be on boards and I'm on, yeah. on these, I'm on these calls with people and they're like, you know, went to Harvard, did all these things. And in my mind, I'm like, why do you guys want me? But when I tell my story, they're like, oh, that's why we want you. Right. Because I've had like the most blessed, like, like, I couldn't have drawn it up better. Like if I was casting mm-hmm. for a movie, I couldn't have done a better job. Right. And um, you had the time and the place, you know what I mean? It yeah. could have never happened in another time and yeah. place. And, and, and exactly. Because it's funny because like, ironically, right. All this, this narrative around Kanye West, like there have been at least no less than 10 people who have asked me to come and work with him at some point in life. And I was like, yeah, I'm not that person. Like I'm not right. like, I, I, the 30 year old version of me would be amazing at that. Right. But the 54 year old can't, could never, I couldn't do it. Right. right. Um, and so, yeah, it was like, you know, and I, and I, it's all, it's all God because I, I was not that measured. Like I was not that organized. Like I literally just like fell into everything that happened to me and it all made all the sense in the world to everyone. Like, and that's why I even say like a lot of people, there's a lot of people that work for Puff who like could never be successful without them. Right. right. You know, the, all of the guys mm-hmm. that, I, that I mentioned on here, are people that, you know, they brought as much, they gave as much to Puff as they got from Puff and they were able to take it and do it wherever they went. Right. right? But it yeah. was that moment in my where I was like, you know, I, I, I gotta, because I can't, because also like trying to compel someone to do something that you know in your heart of hearts is right, but they have the power to say yes or no, mm. didn't work for me. Mm-mm. I was like, this doesn't work for me. Like, and, and, and one of the moments, so uh, um, one of the brands I ran as the, as the uh, head of the fashion division at, at, uh, at Sequential was Joe's Jeans. Yes. And it was a moment where I wanted to put um, Kylie Jenner and Odell Beckham mm-hmm. in a denim and a jeans ad together. And I was going to have them like in the shower with the jeans on, like super sexy. Yeah. Hot. And, and, and they were like, Kylie Jenner? No, we want Kendall Jenner. She's a model. We want Kendall Jenner. And I was like, no, Kendall Jenner, we use Kendall Jenner if we're doing a runway show. Right. We, we want to move culture, use Kylie Jenner. And they're like, no, she's cheesy. She's, and I'm like, no, no, she's not. Like, you, you right. listen, I know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Like, she, first of all, she, like, I know what it looks like. Like, trust me, Odell Beckham, oh, he's too urban. I said, listen, oh, this is Odell Beckham on the Giants with the one hand catch Odell Beckham. Right. Like, Hello. Odell yeah. Beckham has changed the way young black boys style their hair. Hallelujah. He had a blonde mohawk. Yes. And kids, little kids, like he, he was like the most influential thing in sports since Allen Iverson. Like yes. Allen Iverson had black boys wearing cornrows and getting tattoos. Totally. Odell Beckham had black boys getting mohawks and getting blonde on the top blonde. of their hair. Right. Right. So like, I know what culture looks like. Trust me on this. And so they, no, this is not right. So then I gave them, we did Matthew Nasca, who is now turned into a big deal and, and Bella Hadid. And this is mm-hmm. before Bella became a big deal. Right. And even right before we shot it, they were like, ah, do we want Bella Hadid? And, and I'm like, guys, this is it. But yeah. that was the moment where I was like, they don't get I it. I have to stop asking permission. Right. I want to, I want to do what I do. I want to be able to walk in the room and because I said, it's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Yes. Right? And so now, um, you know, the way my company is set up, most most of and ultimately all of the businesses that I'm involved with in any capacity, I have an equity position in that business, mm. right? And and that's kind of like you know as you evolve your understanding of compensation, that's really how you you know amass yes. wealth, right? Because when you know when when in another another bad boy alum, when Emmett Dennis and Rich and his cousin Richelieu Dennis sell their company to Unilever for you know whatever billions of dollars. Right. He gets you know he he has a life changing event. 
Yes. Um, and but but it's but it's rightful, right? It's due to him because of all he's, he's part he of the bill. He's, he's part of the bill, right? And we're at the point in our lives where we're part of the bill. We're no longer. Right. I'm not the guy. I'm not the intern. I'm not the marketing manager. I'm not that. I'm a, I'm a part of I'm the bill. I'm a brain who has incremental effect on your bottom line. Right. 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 Because I know things you don't know. And well, I tell people that all the time. It's funny, like you, like I said about the Harvard MBA thing. Um, there's a guy um, that I work with in the past, a sales guy, and um, and he was trying to make the point that you know that he was a salesperson, and I was like, listen, if you gave me a product and you the same product that put me across from you, you have no chance. Right. You have no. You can never compete with me. Right. Because I came from a school that just is like, well, by any means necessary, ski yes. mask way, ransom note. Can't stop, won't stop. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I remember the first time um, when I first, like the first week working with Puff, he had asked me to do something, to get in touch with somebody. And I saw him in the studio. Um, and I tell the story all the time. I saw him in the studio and he goes to me, hey, did you get in touch with so-and-so? And I'm like, oh, no, I left him a message. <laughs> and he goes, you left him a message? <laughs> a message? He said, man, that's the difference between my house and your house. You leave messages. I'll wait for somebody downstairs. I'm not ta- I'm not waiting. To buy, I'm, you don't answer the phone the first time I call. I'm calling you 10 times. And if you don't answer it on the 10 times, when you come downstairs, you come out the shower and be waiting for you sitting on the toilet. Like, and, and, and so, you know, that energy, yeah. right? And I knew that it was time for me to take that, everything that I had done, um, you know, all the stories that I could tell and do it for myself. And yes. then, so that was, but it was, it was, it was sort of a, you know, an evolution of, of, of moments that led me there with one sort of aha moment. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When the big sales are on, I like to stock up on self-care faves and shop for myself and for family and friends. For healthy hair, Way makes the perfect holiday gift. Winter weather's drying and the season often brings lots of events that lead to excessive heat and styling and damage my hair. With Way's hardworking detox shampoo, Product buildup, hard water deposits, oil, and other impurities are all taken care of. It's made with apple cider vinegar and free of sulfates or paraffins. And Waze leave-in conditioner? It's best-selling for a reason. And now it's in jumbo size. It helps me tame my frizz and flyaways and supports breakage from tangles, and that's my jam. Waze safe for all hair types, color-treated, and keratin. And they've got fun gift sets everyone on your list will love, like the three-way kit. It's all their travel size bestsellers, detox shampoo, leave-in conditioner, and wave spray to treat, hydrate, and style your hair on the go. No matter who you're shopping for, this is a sale you can't miss out on because Way is having an amazing site-wide Cyber Week sale. For this limited time, you can snag all your favorite products, give everyone on your list the gift of healthy hair, and save 20% off while you're at it at theway.com. 
Slay gift giving and save this Cyber Week. From now through Cyber Monday, 1128, go to theouai.com to get up to 20% off your favorite products. That's 20% off at theouai.com. Get after it. Make it about more than just the holidays this year with the gift of health from Everly Well. Everly Well is digital healthcare designed for you. You get personalized results and accessible tools for your long-term health. It's so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well. I myself wanted to check in on my metabolism and measure my vital hormone levels that affect my energy, my mood, weight, and more. The ease of the test process stood out and ultimately empowered the actions I needed to take after getting my results. And you can do the same for yourself and for someone you love. Prioritize what matters most. Share the gift of health. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to find the perfect test for you and for your loved ones. There are men's and women's health tests, food sensitivity and celiac disease screening tests, just to name a few. Everly Well provides help and support and nourishing vitamins and supplements to further your health goals. Everly Well ships products straight to your door. Everything you need is in one package. At-home lab test samples are simple and shipped back in the prepaid envelope included. And your physician-reviewed results are sent straight to your preferred device in just days. The gift of health has never been so easy to share than it is this holiday for listeners of my show. Everly Well is offering a discount of 20% off at-home lab tests at everlywell.com slash in my heart. That's E-V-E-R-L-Y-W-E-L-L.com slash in my heart for 20% off your next at-home lab test. That's everlywell.com slash in my heart. Now back to my show. I just want to go back from the transition because I remember this uh, in my own. So coming up where you did and black culture and hip hop fashion and, and, you know, Shaquille O'Neal was the earliest part of your career and then Puff and Jay, and then you moved to Iconics and Sequential and back to like white executives, right? We, like the rules, we made our own rules. Like you said, we, you know, we, we went as we went, you know what I mean? We did as we went and we figured it out along the way because we had a leader that was like, took nothing but excellence, nothing but under excellence. So we were constantly driven. That's why you say like your 30 year old self could do it, but your 54 year old self, because <laughs> we just, you collect wisdom, you collect, you know, like what you know is important. Right. But the puppies never changed in that way, but then moving to someone where it's like, well, and you, and you have to figure out what, you know, is going to be doing. And we don't do things around there like that. That shift for me, for you was probably my most proudest of you. I think, I think, I don't even think we had Twitter when you got the job at Iconics. But yeah. I remember posting on an email, I did something to share how proud I was of you for this moment, because I knew it was out of your comfort zone. And I knew that it was going to be an experience, not for you, Jamil, for them. Yeah. yeah. I knew it was going to be an experience for them. And yeah. that's the point that is that I think I want to make here is, is that we have to believe in ourselves. We have to believe in the hard knocks or the fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? Like I never took a design class in my life and I was Puffy's creative director and then went on to be Jennifer's and, and Beyonce's. And I worked at Polo, you know, I worked at Calvin Klein. 
I faked it till I made it because I believed in myself. I had no fear because I had no choice. I had to go after it. My heart was beating for it. I had to have it. And so knowing that without knowing that Puffy taught me that was who I was. Like he brought it out in me. Like I already had it in me. You know what I mean? And like you say, some people can't go off and be successful without them. And their success is with them. And that's where they should stay. And other people, he's a springboard that you're in an air, you're in a different cloud. You know what I mean? Than anybody else's when you jump off a Puff Daddy springboard. And yeah. we did have the, even, even though I didn't work for Jay, I worked for Beyonce and I worked for Puffy. And so I had access to him all the time and his great genius and his ways and all of that. So I just wanted to kind of close that up is, is that, you know, finding purpose comes from experiencing new things, being out of your comfort zone for you. And, and, and I can't say this for a lot of, but a lot of black and brown Americans, it's like finding your voice and finding your place. And that I've watched that shift happen. I mean, listen, Jimmy, when I, for you, I came in a little bit before you did, Biggie had just died when I started working for Puff. I, I mean, I, I was working with him already. I was making t-shirts, you know what I mean? And stuff like that and hats. And, and so I came into a, a very different movement, you know what I mean? Like at that moment. And there was so much empowerment in that we have to make it. We have to show them who we are. We're not getting, we're not street fighters. That's not what we're doing. You know what I mean? And yeah, now I watch yeah. my kids listen to Tupac and Biggie and they ask me all these questions all the time. You know what I mean? When you think about that history, fast forward to the trajectory of where we are today, that probably wouldn't happen today between brothers. Uh, you know no, what I mean? No, no, yeah, well, I hope not. Right. Yeah, hope right. Not. right. But, you know, exactly. it's interesting. someone asked me a question the other day, like if I could bring somebody back or stop someone from being killed, yeah. who, who would it be? And I had three. It was Jesus Christ, yeah. um, Malcolm X and Tupac. Yes. Um, and then what you realize is like, you know, everything's supposed to happen the way it happened. Like yes. Jesus, Jesus had to die, right? Yes. Like, like these things happen, you know what I mean? So like these yeah. things, these experiences have to happen. And to, your, and to your point around like the transition to those more corporate rooms, you know, I also always brought um, a corporate sensibility even to the- Yes, the, you did. Right? Um, 100%. But you know, I, I definitely pride myself on never like code switching. Like I was never was the person in the room. Like I just, I just, I am what I am. I yes. am who I am. It, it, there was a, um, a a vast difference between like the energy, right? So like when you have an argument with somebody at Bad Boy, right? You literally argue, and like I said, you later in the day, you're like pass me the 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 Pinot Grigio, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like an argument with your family, right? Um, in corporate America, like you didn't even know you had an argument with somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they say, you know, you're like. Wait, what? They said, right. they, oh, they don't like me. I didn't, I right. didn't know. Or, 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 they say, or they'll say things like, you know, oh, you're so aggressive. And I was like, said no one ever in my life. Like I'm right. way more sophisticated. I'm way smooth. I'm never aggressive. Never. Like, that's, that's unsexy. You right. know what I mean? That doesn't make sense. I came from the school of Andre Hero. I ain't no aggressive. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's, so it's interesting. It's like, um, um, but you're right. It's, it was, it's, it was important for for and i think that we have we right our our generation have gone a long way in moving culture because be clear you know lebron james drake um um justin i'm talking about just people that lead culture today justin bieber right mm -hmm. they are following our blueprint yes this is 100%, our percent right? hiring your friends like that they all got that from jay right. they all got it right, right? and so like um, you know, I'm, and it's, it's funny because my kids, they like, they like all these people who I've never heard of. Right. Um, and it's interesting because 
they're a byproduct of it naturally. Totally. And they don't even realize. Totally. And they, and they, and, and, and I guess it's very similar to us. Like they think it's them. Like, oh, yeah, this is why, like my, my son said to me one day, like, oh no, I'm popular. I'm like, you're not popular. You're the only black kid in the school. You're not black. <laughs> <laughs> you're curious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. I love it so much. So I think, you know, for, for entrepreneurs that are listening or people that have been in, in, in jobs or positions that have moved around and tried on different things, like the bottom line is, is there's no right time or right moment. You just kind of know that it's time to pop out. You know, mine was an idea that, you know, I realized then grew and I couldn't do both, but even Beyonce and Tina Knowles were like that we were going to do both. You know what I mean? Because we had a community and we had something that worked and we were doing great things together. And Beyonce was starting her solo career. And, you know, all these, I was having babies, you know what I mean? I had been married and, you know, all of these things were happening. And so it was a beautiful thing to create an idea out of being pregnant, you know? So we thought, oh, that's great. That's what we did. There wasn't competition. There wasn't, oh, you have to, you work for me. You can't go out. I came out of a culture that was like, you got to go get what you could get when you could get it. You know what I mean? And so I think what I want to say is, is that to, you know, to, to white folks listening to this podcast, diversity is the most important thing that you can focus on. The most important thing that you can focus on in your organization. And I know it's scary today, but we cannot be scared. We have to have no fear and we have to make mistakes and we have to, Faith Evans said it, if you're coming from the right place, you can't go wrong. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your business, Jamil, because you really are dedicated to, you know, about Black people and Black culture. And so consulting wise, like for people who are listening, like, can you offer insight to white companies to understand, you know, like bridge these gaps, you know what I mean? And then I know you're already empowering Black and Brown companies and things like that with your expertise, but talk a little bit you know, about your business. I want to hear about the agency and, and what you're, what you're doing with it now. Yep. So, so, and so I think the one thing I want to say before I even go into the specifics of the business is that um, the value proposition of diversity and inclusion is not um, leveling the playing field. It's not, it's, I mean, I, I think that's, that's the, like, that's the, like, we are, we are the world version of it that we sing the song makes me, but the reality is it's unlocking the innate, power of all communities because the reality is the world just looks different today than it did before and it's going to continue to look different yes. because there is an appreciation for diverse communities right yes. just like and so like so like it's and not bio like, individuality that i am different than you and you i know there's nobody like me in the world and i don't have to sign up to something that puts me in a box and how can you sell something to somebody if you don't have somebody in the room that that understands how they think and how they move. Yes. So it's not it's not like a, a handout. It's not like the equal opportunity fund, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's a it's about money. Like let you you let's get this money. You want to get the money, then you need to be able to talk to everybody in ways that are like that are authentic. Yeah, right? you got to have the whole pie of an audience, not just right. a slice. Right. That's and, and, like, and it goes back to what I said earlier. Like I, you know, back in my even when I was working with Shaq, you know, Shaq. Um, had a bunch of endorsement companies. So I would do, I would like literally go to Pepsi um, and sit in a room with like 35 MBAs for like a week. And they would come up with all these ideas. 
and but there was not like one black person in the room and all these ideas were like how do we reach like pop culture and I was, the, all of the ideas it made no sense whatsoever i was like that makes no sense and i was like and i'm and i was like literally i was like 25 years yes. old but in my mind i'm like these guys are supposed to be more accomplished than me but they have no connectivity to culture right right and and, <laughs> exactly. and, culture, and culture doesn't have a color right um no. culture because i mean think think about it think about how the gay community and the black community like have like such such a such a like um you know a comfortability but because we have yeah. similar we have a similar a symbiosis yeah it's yes. a symbiotic relationship yes. yeah and so 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 yeah so it's, so it's not about like giving people a chance and giving no, them a not at no all. it's like like getting well, to the, like your fullest potential like what's yes. the fullest potential because if you're only talking to one one group of people then you're then you're only, you're going to be limited in what you're capable of Right. right, exactly. And exactly. So, so like if place, you're selling blonde wigs, then have at it. <laughs> That's all you sell. I mean, then even, have and, at it. And there's so many things that, but and, and a lot of it is like deeply rooted in like the history of right. So like even the concept of like a pink or a shoe being a nude. Right. Like that. That's I'm like, it's new to who? Yes. Well, yeah, 100 percent. And that, you know, that shifted for, for because of who I was and what I had come from, which gave me an insight that so few have, you know what I mean, as a white woman. And but look, but look, at know, what, look at Rihanna's business, though. Her, look, look at look at her beauty business. Well, I was just talking about it. this. Exactly. So I did it in shapewear. So coming out of, you know, Puffy and the culture of my community, how could I start a shapewear company and not have a broad band of colors? So, and they know that was a skew issue. That's inventory. How many people are going to buy that color? It's a select, they're a minority group. We don't have, I didn't give a shit. I said, I'm going to serve every goddamn woman who wants a piece of shapewear that doesn't show under her clothes that matches her skin. And so Knowing that I went full force and we did that and I was the owner. And so I got to power through it. But a mistake that we made, honest mistake, is one of the colors they called flesh. It was a Pantone color. Pantone called it flesh. And we, without thinking, put flesh and it was like a pinky color mm -hmm. in the collection. And it wasn't until I was sitting in front of my buyers and they knew I knew better and I knew I knew better that we missed it. We missed it. We just missed yeah. it. So what did we do? We corrected it and everybody was better for it. And everybody knew we made the mistake. We started off with the right intention and then we fumbled, but we picked the ball back up and the whole company knew about it. And the whole company said, yeah, how can you call that flesh? Cause that oh, only they, accounts they, 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 they enter Faith Evans voice, right? Well, yes. if your heart is in the right place and you can't go wrong. So then you, you correct it, right? You say, That's you know it. what? We messed up yep. and now we're going to fix it. Yep. And so that was, 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? So these corrections are going to be happening all the way through. And my, what I always said about a diverse table has nothing to do with equity. It has everything to do with building a business. That's great because, but okay. I believe in the equity part of it too. And I'm glad yeah, that you brought yeah. that up because I always thought having diversity means people from all different walks of life, all different cultures, all different colors, all different places, because my experience living in New York City as a, you know, pretty like a lower middle class white girl is very different than someone who looks like me or sounds like me that grew up in France. Do you know what I'm saying? So like that much diversity is important too. different cultures, different ideas, different places. That is the future. 
And yep. our, our lens has to shine on what we've overlooked. For and, someone's gonna, and someone's going to monetize that. Yes. Right? Some, someone's going to, someone's going to like, like there was a moment in time where you walked in every mall in America and you saw Victoria's Secrets and there were women in there in droves. Yes. Right. And they did that fashion show and mm-hmm. the fashion show was like the most urgent thing in the world. Every celebrity wanted to perform and they wanted yeah. to be there. And then there was a moment where you started looking at it and you're like, this doesn't look like the real world. Right. And then, then Rihanna comes in and disrupts the whole thing. Totally. Right. And she's giving you everything. And, and it's like and it's like the most successful thing in the overnight. Yeah. Because somebody's going to take it. Someone is going to monetize. The opportunity yes. to set the table right. The second to set the record straight, somebody's going to make the money doing it. Yeah. And if you don't have a diverse team in your organization and diverse mindset, right, diverse uh, train of thought and approach, then you're not you're not equipped to take advantage of the opportunity. And that's what it's about. That's the opportunity. You're not giving someone an opportunity. No, you're taking to you taking advantage of the opportunity to set the record straight because it's going to happen without you. Right. And bigger companies have gone away because they they thought it wasn't that important. So they wanted to they put a bunch of women and they and listen, they take and it's crazy. If you think about it, if you hear about what these women have to do to get ready for the Victoria's Secrets fashion show, right? They're taking a woman who is already like damn near malnourished and right. making her go on a diet and, and work, work out. out with trainers three days. Yeah, a day. just yeah. to get ready for yeah. right. And, and it's mm-hmm. like, no, like what, what point do you just want to be comfortable in your own skin? Right. Right. Because because that's going to happen. And the day that you want to be comfortable in your own skin and you're not telling that story, then you're not you're not relevant anymore. Right. And so and so that's what my company is really is really built on is like, you know, having that voice within your organization, whether it is me having, you know, um, um, building the voice for you, me hiring folks within your organization, me hiring um, consultants and agencies outside of your organization that have diverse thinking. And it's really about community. And so I've created a, a, a community of uh, creatives and, and business executives who can help come and populate and, and consult these businesses on how to unlock unexploited revenue potential within their businesses. And so and it's kind of like, you know, a continuation of the work that we did. So if you think about it, like when you first met Puff, you know, Puff had Bad Boy Records and Sean John. Puff today has Bad Boy Records, Sean John, The Water, Ciroc, Revolt, the this, the that, right? And so, and so, and you, and he has those things because he has the authentic right to play in those spaces, right? right? He is probably the foremost. He's 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 the most he's the most successful um, intern of all time, and he's probably the most um, iconic party thrower of all time. So <laughs> of course sure. he should be able to sell you vodka. That makes sense. I believe that. Right. right. Of course, you can sell me tequila. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can see myself, you know, a kid in Kansas, Kansas City could see himself in, you know, at night having a shot of tequila with Puff Daddy because that right. makes sense to him. Right. Yes. Um, and so, you know, so I'm taking that experience that we had because that's really what we did. That's yeah. what we represented. It wasn't like just the businesses that we worked in. It was the enterprises that we built. Right. It was it was the imagination to say, Jay-Z, you know, I was there when Jay started Rock Nation. Right. And then Rock Nation became Rock Nation Sports. And then I mean, I have I have a list of all the businesses that Jay is in. And it's like the most impressive thing you've ever seen in your life. Like, right. Like, you know, right. like he's I mean, he's I mean, he's not just he's not just curating talent 
for all the NFL, but he also does halftime show at the NBA All-Star Game. Like, things that you right. don't even know, right? And he's um, winning awards and kicking asses and taking names and this shit we don't even know about. And, things that he wouldn't even talk about in a charitable way. So, so like, how, how, how valuable is it to have someone who sat in those rooms and not just sat there in the back taking notes, not sat there taking orders, but was literally sharing ideas, mm. right? Arguing with these cultural giants saying, nah, you're bugging. This, we should do this, yes. right? And then afterwards, them being like, yo, you know what? You're right. Like, yes. I, like I know with 100% confidence that if anybody ever asked any of those people that I work with about me, you're going to get a positive experience. And they're going to tell you, oh, no, no, my man, he did his thing here. Yes. Like, he did it, yes. right? And so how valuable is it to you, to you for me to come into your organization and bring that energy, that thought process, right? And, and those relationships. Like, I know that I could get Heather Thompson on the phone to come and talk to somebody about anything. Yeah. Because the same way you know you could call me, I know I could always call you. And think about how many other people are on that Rolodex, yes. on, that, on that call list. Yes. So that's really what it's all about. It's really, you know, and, and it's, called, it's called Rightful Place, spelled R-I-T-E, because it's like, you know, writing, writing new stories, writing new narratives. Yes. Um, but also like the sort of double, so, you know, it's a double entendre on like, you know, taking your rightful place in, 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 in culture and also like rewriting the script of what you're capable of, what your business is capable of, capable of doing through diversity and inclusion through, you know, um, just more innovative thought, yes. um, and just being, and just thinking outside of the box and getting yeah. uncomfortable, you know, yeah, because, exactly. because, because that's, you know, that's, that's the school I came from. I came yes. from the school of, uh, just like you said, you saw that I was going to Iconics. You were like, he got to be uncomfortable. But you know what? I'm so comfortable with uncomfortable. I think the, the pandemic clearly has opened the, you know, the curtains to it. And that is work-life balance. And we, when we were in our 30s, and I do think there's a time that you can work 24-7 and just drive until the sun don't shine and then drive some more. But there is a time when the balance is everything. And that is when you start having a family and you start to expand things or get involved in other people and that, and that sort of thing. But I do think it's important. And I look back at us and maybe, I don't even know if it's true, but maybe if I had taken a little more time, you know, but I, I loved what I did. I lived it. I was in it so much, but was as a parent, there's no way I could have done that. You know, when Puffy bought back Sean John immediately, it's like the phone was ringing. It was like, I would really have to think about that because I actually don't think I'm capable of what I was. And I know his expectations have not changed. So, but, but, you know, he, but, but he, he works different though. He works different though. He, he's figuring it that, that out. Yes. Though. Yes. Yeah. He, he said, still he said everyone else to work crazy like that though. Yeah. He said that mama's, he said, I'm coming out of the darkness. You know what I mean? Like he sees the light, you know, <laughs> in so many ways, spiritually and as a human yeah. being, I'm yeah. certainly proud of, of who we now have to say love, right? I'm proud of the, the, the love that he's showing everybody. But let's talk about that, Jamil, because I'd like your insight on it for a young person who's, you know, in the workplace. And, you know, I think the young people are starting to stand up and, and thank God for the future of our youth, because there is a time that you have to let the old ones, they've done the job and, and now it's time for you to take over. Talk about the importance of it because you know it now because you did it two times. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. So and, I, and you're right, and I, and I think it all has to do with like you know. So first of all, like this, you know, choose your career before your career chooses you, right? So when you're younger, you can make the choice to like. I mean, pretty much every job I ever got, I like work for free at first, right? right? Because because I didn't, I, you know, my my bills were so minuscule and like my burn rate wasn't what it is today. So I could, you know, I could afford to do that, 
Right. And while you can afford to do it, like, you know, I work tirelessly. Um, and it's kind of like how I'm built as a human being. Mm. But I had to retrain myself as I get older and, and give myself some grace because even still to this day, um, I, I go to bed every night mad. Like I haven't done enough. Right. I, you know, and I, and I, you know, I'll leave and be like, yo, that was a good, that was a productive day, but I could do more. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but as you get older, you got to be a little bit more honest about, you know, your work life. So, so work life balance is like the most important thing in my life. Now, the good news about that is I'm at a place in my life where my, what's important to me is very clear. Right. And it doesn't change. It's like, it's literally like my wife, my kids and my work. And it's like, damn near in that order, right? Yes. And so, and so, I don't have to waste a lot of time. Where like before, I was wasting a lot of time. You know, right. going out, being at a party, drinking—it was a waste of time. So, and and what that and, and the the, triple, the ripple effect of that, right, was I woke up the next day tired mm-hmm. or later than I would. Like, yeah, I get up at five o'clock now, no problem, because I'm not drinking all night. I'm not doing those things. But so I get up at five o'clock, I work out. I come home, I take my kids to school, right? I come home, I get dressed, I go to the city. You know, if my kids have anything, I come home early to do that. Um, you know, I, at least once a week, I do like a little in the middle of the day lunch with my wife, yeah. even, even if I'm on a call while I'm doing it, but I let's go have lunch. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm super, you know, intentional around pouring into the things that are important to me. And I'm keeping that playlist super short. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you're, you know, when you're not married or you're not married in the right way, right? You spend a lot of time, energy, and money chasing things that don't fill you, right? So there's there's a natural sort of balance, right? Of like me pouring in and getting full myself based on those things um, that is just a beautiful place to be, right? And, and, and that's why it's funny. When people ask me how I'm doing, um, I always say I'm the richest man in the world when it comes to everything that really matters, Right. Because true wealth to me is being able to sleep at night confidently, knowing that you did your best, that you're that you're poor. Like, like, like I know that I am supremely blessed. And one of the responsibilities, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. One of the responsibilities of being blessed is working your hardest to be the best version of uh, to, to really accentuate those blessings. And now I'm trying to take that energy and put it on my children. Yes. And I'm and it's like the moments that like like almost bring me to tears are the moments where I see that they're getting it, that they're, that they're, that they're understanding, like, because I'm trying to now, like the working hard thing is a leading by example, as opposed to me going out there trying to get it. Like now it's like, I want to show you, like when you, I want you to come home, I want you to come downstairs for breakfast, for school and see me coming home from the gym. Right. Right. And I, I want you to see me when your mom is making all the dinner and doing all the stuff. You see me washing the dishes. I want you to see that because I want you to have an example of a healthy relationship between a man and a woman that doesn't have these weird, this weird energy around like hierarchy and who's yes. the boss and because of who makes the money. Because the reality is that I can't make the money if you don't do what you do at home, right? Right. Um, and I and that's a that's an uh, that's an evolved version of my. I, I wasn't like that before, right. Right? right? I didn't get that before. I was like, no, I'm out here working. Like, what do you mean? Like, you do that. I'm doing this, right? right? Um, and and then also having a daughter because it's like you know I want her to expect a certain thing from anybody that's going to come pursuing her. Like, you that's better right. be like you better be like my dad. If you're not yes. like my dad, then you're not worthy, right? right? Um, and so it's yeah, it's, I, I'm I'm um. 
I'm in a really good place. Like I'm, I'm like full on grown. You know what I mean? Like I'm a grown up. Um, and I've and I've been in a really good place for a long time. Even even when you know I struggled. Like when I first started my business, I struggled. I struggled. Yeah. I struggled way more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I come to find out was um, that was necessary. Right. Right. It was necessary. It's, it's it's you know it's like it's like you don't work out. If I started working out for the first time at 50 years old, for the first three years, I was gonna I'm gonna be hurting. Right. right. <laughs> but, you know, with fourth year, you might catch me with my speedo on at the beach because I'm in shape now. Right. And that and that's so that so. But but, you know, even that. Right. That struggle taught me so much about like who my wife was, mm-hmm. um, you know, how my kid like all. It, it was so important. Like it was so I, I wouldn't trade it. I, I don't want to do it again, <laughs> but, but I wouldn't trade it for any anything in the world because I, I, I learned so much, man. And like and like. I had this this thought that I had to be like Superman, even when I wasn't, mm-hmm. right? And then have my wife to be like, no, nah, no, I got you. Like, you're bugging. Like, we did this together. And I was like apologizing, right? And she's like, right. apologizing. Like, we decided to do this together. Right. And in my mind, and my and my ego that led me to believe that I decided to do this myself, right. right? And the reality is I can't do anything without all of them supporting it, right? Right. Um, and so, yeah, man, my work-life balance is like literally the most important other than my relationship with God, work-life balance is second because right. um, it's sort of how you pay homage to the blessings that God, like God gives everyone some type of ability and it's our job to really, really nourish and invest in that ability and become the best version of whatever that is, whatever it is. That's right. Exactly. I, I could talk to you for seven more hours and I miss you so much. And it's so good to see you here today and keep, keep talking about it. I want to close the podcast by talking a little bit about freedoms because, you know, they mean different things to all people, but it's, I think the single most important thing to all of us. Amen. Right. And so how do you today find your freedom and express your freedom? Um, I express my freedom um, unapologetically and through all, through everything that I do. I'm, I'm me. I really like me. Um, I, I think that uh, that I, you know, I'm, that I'm a positive person. That I, that I, that I, you know, that I, you know, I actually have the other challenge because I know that. So, like, someone also, someone also said to me one time, everyone has a superpower, but if you choose not to invest in it, then the world does without. So I know that I have a responsibility. Right. And it's not. And, and at one point I wanted to focus it just on me and my family, but that's not enough. Right. That's not that's not what God wants me to do. So because I'm like I'm super free. Like I, I don't because I, I, I'm, I'm honest. I don't lie about anything anywhere. Like no anywhere. Like if my kids ask me something about it. Yes. I'm telling tell the honest, truth. Too. Right. Yeah. I tell yeah, the truth. Tell the the truth. truth. And, that, and that's like the freest thing in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I, there was a time in my life where I was I told a bunch of lies and I, and I never felt comfortable. I right. felt like I felt like, you know, a liar, like an actor. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my freedom comes through, through my truth. Um, and then and now I know that it's my responsibility to spread that truth and be like there's moments where I see things that should be a different way. And, you know. I think human nature would say, ah, just don't worry about it. just just ignore it. But I know it's my responsibility to, to be like, you know, to be that guy. To be yes. that guy that goes to the person and says, you know, the, to the kid that's not mine and says, yo, man, you shouldn't be doing that. 
Right. right? And, and I am now that person in my community. So there's like, it's funny. Like if you see me go to like a, a high school basketball game, first of all, if there are a thousand people there, I'm going to know 250 of them. Right. Like, right. And, and like, and those kids, like I can have a real conversation with them, but like almost right. like your uncle, right. like, yo man, that's not cool. I saw you doing that. That's not cool. Right. right? You're inspiring that's, that's, them. Yes. Yeah, that, that's who I'm supposed to be. Like right. that is like, that's what I, I, I know that I'm supposed to be a dad. I know I'm supposed to be a husband and, and like the, the type of husband that like, like that, that, like that someone's father would say, I want my daughter to marry somebody like that. Like, because right. this guy is like, he's a real guy showing up. He's in it. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I'm supposed to change because I think, you know, I grew up without my dad in my house. Mm -hmm. So my understanding of relationships was like something that my, that me and my friends made up. Right. Yes. Like, I, I, I learned what relationships were supposed to be from, from like, you know, from kids, mm -hmm. not from adults. Mm -hmm. And even my dad, you know, at the time in his life was still like a grown ass kid who right. was still like, he was still like valuing himself based on his prowess with multiple women. Like that was, mm -hmm. that was like what a man does. Right. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the example of something different. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the example of something different to, any young person that wants to take the time. And so now I got a bunch of kids who want me to mentor them. And you know, that's, you know, but you know, but it's like, I got six kids. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, it's not easy, but like, I got to figure out how to, you know, schedule the time yes. to, to, to share my freedom, to share my yes. truth with other people, because I and think nurture that, someone else's. Yeah. Because I think that that's, that's what God wants me to do. Like that, mm -hmm. I feel like that's my calling. Yes. That's so beautiful, Ja. I mean, really, it's just so beautiful. I, I think, I think it's one of my most beautiful answers to how do you find your freedom? You find your answer in short is you find your freedom in yourself, in, in me. I Absolutely. find my freedom in me. And that is so uh, enlightened of a, of a way of thinking that I just, my cup runneth over and I just loved every minute of this podcast and you're going to have to come back and we're going to have to check in. Just before I let you go, I want to know where people can find you and follow you and look up your business and 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 reach out to you as a resource should they believe yep. that they need you because I know they do. <laughs> so my my Instagram is at Jamil Spencer J A M E E L S P E N C E R and I have a, a Rightful Place as an Instagram as too is at Rightful Place W R I T E F U L P L A C E and I also have a website RightfulPlace.com which I'm going to actually redesign now because my business has evolved so much since I built that. I built that site literally like right before I started my business. Right. So it's, it's four so years old. Yeah. And it's so different now. And I'm yes. super excited. And, 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 and the good news is like, you know, I continue to evolve with how I think about my business and even just like, you know, I think we become slaves to what we know. So, and, and so, you know, now I'm like, you know, so I, I mentioned Jeff Hunter, I'm meeting with Jeff Hunter. He's helping me design my organization. I'm yes. meeting with a woman named Melissa Bradley. She runs a company called 1863. She's dope. Um, she's helping me build like my investment strategy. And I'm also going to yes. create a fund that's going to invest in businesses and then use my, um, both my, my expertise, but also my network to help yes. build those brands that I invest in. Um, so there's a bunch of new cool things that I'm doing going forward. And I'm super excited. I'm just super excited about life as if I was 30 years old. Um, but with, you know, but with, with a clear focus, and uh, and and going to bed at ten o'clock. 
<laughs> well, let me tell you, I love it so much. You got the beauty that we do get when with aging is we do get wisdom and experience. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that such a big part of mine was with you. And I love you so much, my friend. I just so everybody knows I call him Jaw Love and he calls me <laughs> heavy, heavy, D, heavy D. Heavy D. Well, you, well, you heavy T for Heather Thompson, remember? Because yes. I have we heavy there was a moment when God rested his his soul. We were hanging out with Heavy D a lot in LA. Yeah. We were do we did two campaigns back to back with Herb Ritz in LA. You remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, had, was, we, had to, we had to take a bus, remember? Because Hev wouldn't fly. I don't, yes. I don't know. Heavy D I, never flew. He flew no, for right. the first time, like right before he passed away. He right. flew to London to do that Michael Jackson thing, but he would never fly. Never so we had, we had to take a tour bus from L.A. to Palm Springs <laughs> for the photo shoot. I'll never forget it. And I love you so much. And you are always in my heart. Thank you so much to my guest and dear friend, Jamil Spencer. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. This is In My Heart. We're going to be back at you next week with another episode. So be sure to tune in. Don't miss it. I'm blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.